0: Um, there's some interesting people I met, but I still was kind of like, I still was ducking. I was ducking the call. I was ducking the call for a while, because I remember saying this, I said, um, if you don't accept your gift, and this was for me, if you don't accept your gift, then it's like you're disrespecting your gift, you know? And so I I, I I disrespected it for a long time. Um, it wasn't until, shoot, I would say almost two years ago, that I was like, you know what? I accept it.
1: I- extremely passionate about helping corporate professionals transition into entrepreneurship so I had to share the one thing the number one thing that helped me develop as an entrepreneur and that's the morning meetup I joined the morning meetup specifically for the structure because I'm I'm leaving corporate America so I'm used to those morning huddles we got ourselves we know what our goals are and we get our day started so I was missing that for two years before I even found them now the second thing that I really really benefited from was the revenue revenue generating activities was Was not necessarily a thing before 2021 now I had my LLC I had my website I had a few clients here and there but the momentum really took off as soon as I got around like-minded individuals and people who really knew the struggles that I was already dealing with that I could get over my fear of sales and communicating my value and putting myself out there on social media the friends that I've developed the mentors and the mentees that I've that I've created relationships with, everything has really created this environment for us to thrive as entrepreneurs. So if you want to develop as an entrepreneur, you're leaving corporate America and you're trying to figure out how do I get my footing in entrepreneurship, then the morning meetup will definitely be a game changer for you. You can learn with us, you can grow with us, and I didn't even mention that we have a book club. Join us in the community. Let's get started today. You will not regret it. So welcome to another episode of the Work and Play Podcast. I'm your host Ario Young, and I. I have a special guest today. So, a relationship mechanic. If you've never heard what a relationship mechanic is, he's gonna describe it for you today. And what's really interesting is the journey that you've actually been on and you mm-hmm. being able to trust along the way. So, if you would, without further ado, introduce yourself to the folks. Uh,
0: I'm Jamel Jackson. Um, how should I say this? Even when I like to sum it up, I'm a servant. Mm-hmm. I like to serve. I love mm-hmm. serving. But if we use the relationship mechanic, I focus on preparing, evaluating, and giving people the tools they need to maintain healthy relationships. That's one of the most things I I value on earth is relationships.
1: Yeah, and when it comes to relationships, is it, it's not just like romantic relationships, it's across the board.
0: Across the board. I like to say first and foremost, the relationship between us and God, then everybody else. So I say go vertical, then horizontal. Yeah. You know, everybody's belief system may be different, but my preference is let's go vertical, then horizontal. A lot of times we try to uh, steam and build up all the relationships across from us, you know, whether it be family, Family, friends, significant other, business partner, husband, wife, girlfriend, boyfriend. And then we kind of bring God on the back burner. And he's like, yo, just let me be in the mix from the beginning. You know, I'm not saying like we're going to be perfected, but I'll keep Him in the mix.
1: Yeah. And a lot of times we develop this like limiting belief that the more relationships, the more relationships you have, the more susceptible you are or open to negative things. So we have this like limiting beliefs around relationships. So it's, it's funny that you've kind of centered everything that you do around like vertical and horizontal relationships and showing mm-hmm. us the benefit of those
0: things yeah because i mean we live in a we're in a society now in a culture where even when you say the word relationships based on people's hurt and their experiences of what has happened to them and the trauma and it's understandable but now we look at relationships as if it's a curse versus a blessing
1: yeah
0: or a curse versus a gift we're gifts to one another. Relationships are gifts. It's the most amazing gift on earth. Mm-hmm. But our minds have been so distorted with everything that's going on. And once again, like I said, it's understandable because the hurt can do that, mm-hmm. the pain can do that, the trauma can do that. It can change your perspective and outlook and have you looking at relationships like, no, I don't want nothing to do with him, her, them, um, business, whatever you know. And it's it's understandable. But relationships are gifts, and it's a that distorted view can have us miss opportunities
1: like crazy. You mentioned on your on your. Um, Um, page and, and the body of work that you've created, like how you, and you just said, you just said it here, how trauma can affect it. And the earliest relationships that we have are with our parents or whoever raised us, right? Mm-hmm. I didn't learn until I left my nine to five that my like the dynamic that I had created from like early on was transitioning into like the way that I saw people and develop relationships and entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. because like once the structure was gone, it's like, oh you're not my boss, you're not my colleague, like you don't have that label. It's like you, for me, I'm trying to figure out where do I place you? And then how do I have a relationship with you? So for the work that you, you do, you talk about vulnerability mm-hmm. and even as we start talking about childhood trauma and how it affects our relationships as adults, it's a very like, eh, you know, it, it, takes a, it takes a trusting environment for somebody to really like um, be open about that kind of stuff. So for you to be a relationship mechanic, what is it about you or how do you create that environment that allows people to fix their relationships no matter what
0: with you? I believe um, creating an environment of, of trust, just being transparent, you know, like I'm learning now that it's not. We make make relationships complicated. You know, it's not as complicated as we make it. We make it very complicated. And I like to create an environment of transparency where I'm just open and transparent with people, being raw, you know, like this is what it is. You're not gonna get no mask, no sugarcoat, And I believe that allows people to be safe. Yeah. You know, and, and it's an environment of love. Mm-hmm. Like, look, I'm not here to judge you. We're all broken. We're all broken in some capacity. So my thing is, if people are willing to identify their brokenness and brokenness and not ignore it and do something about it, then let's move forward okay. because we're all broken. Everybody on this earth is broken in some area of their life. Mm-hmm. So therefore, it allows me to create a safe place, a grace place. That word grace. Because exactly. we all need it. A grace place where you can be open, honest, r- rugged, naked. This is what it is. I'm not saying you got to air out all your laundry, mm-hmm. but creating that grace place.
1: Yeah. I was talking to a friend of mine. And it's funny that we're having this conversation right now um, because uh, she was saying, it's funny how relationship coaches, especially the ones in the romantic um, sphere only, like they they seem to like not have, like they're not married or they're not like this, that, and other. So for you, you mentioned transparency. Mm-hmm. What relationships have taught, like, kind of inform what it is that you do? Are you married? Are you single? How do you, how do you describe <laughs> that?
0: I, I was married. Um, I, I've shared this on one of my, actually several of my podcasts. I was married. I was married eleven years. You know, uh, it was an amazing marriage. You know, it. And the eleventh year, no, not the what year was? It? Um, without making making this a marriage podcast, but suffice to say, I was married eleven years. Mm-hmm. Then I had, I went through a divorce. Uh, that was about three and a half years ago. So, what I, and when I say that, like I said, the whole marriage, it wasn't like a bad, it wasn't a bad marriage. I would be lying to say that, you know, because some people say the whole 11 years was terrible. No, that would, no.
1: And then if you did, if the whole 11 years was terrible, wouldn't that make you look a little crazy yeah, for some people? Make you look a, a little relationship. crazy, yeah.
0: <laughs> so, no, it was, it was, it was amazing. I met amazing people, you know, we had a great bond. Um, without going into too much of what happened, but suffice to say we we had a divorce. And I still value relationships even in marriage. Like I think marriage is a beautiful thing. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm going to be married again. It's an amazing institution. And I learned a lot about, what should I say, relationships from being married. Mm. But it wasn't even just, see when I, when I talk about the value of relationships, yes it does touch on marriage, but it's so much more in depth. It's like I tell people you gotta, some of it's gonna be caught. I can't even teach it all. You'll have to catch it. It's going to have to be a revelation, an eye opener, where it's like, oh wow, I see what he's talking about. Mm -hmm. You know?
1: I feel you. Um, But then when I think about the mechanic's uh, sense of the word, right? it's like you do your work, you do the practical work, Mm -hmm. right? You lift the hood, you get in there, you move some stuff around, and what you're describing now, I'm like, okay, the person drives off and then you have to let the fluids kind of do what it's going to do so that your car runs perfect. So like what's the work that you do in the relationship to help a person figure out what they need to shift around?
0: Right now, my primary focus is on enriching, preparing people or enriching, like preparing people for marriage or enriching the marriage that they're in. Okay. So maybe people dating and they're preparing eventually to say, you know what, I want to be married. Or they want a long term relationship because some people don't want to be married. And then when they're in this marriage or this committed relationship, how can they keep it enriched, you know? And I operate only on the three C's, you know? Three C's. It's cause, complaint, correction. Okay. Cause, complaint, correction. Mm-hmm. So if somebody's coming to me, just like a mechanic, they either come in with a complaint and they're saying, this is the cause. You know, mm-hmm. my car is making this rattling noise because there's something wrong with the rim. Okay. And the mechanic says, okay, that's the complaint. And you're telling me that's the cause. But I have to do a diagnostic or in my field we'll do a relationship assessment, just like a diagnostic. Let's see if that is the cause. Now, if that is the cause, The correction needs to be made so this is where we get into logistics of you know payment systems and all that stuff So we got to correct the issue, but I'm only operating off the three C's
1: Mm.
0: I'm not making it that deep like you come to me. Here's the complaint My relationship is like this because we can't communicate or we can't resolve conflict or we're having parenting issues Okay You're telling me that's the cause but and that's the complaint you're bringing But I don't know if that's really the cause and I'm not saying that you're lying well, let's do a diagnostic and see if that is the cause. And if it is the cause, we still gotta correct it.
1: And if it is the cause, of course, right? It still has to be corrected. Facts. So when I'm thinking of, um, when I'm thinking of an actual, I'm thinking of a car, right? And mm-hmm. I know just a couple of things about cars. So I'm gonna try to make this. Analogy. I don't know too much. Okay, so but like, if you were to do a diagnostic on a tube or something, you would flush like fluid through it, see where the the leaks are, um, in an engine, right? Mm-hmm. So like, what are some of the? Do you that you operate after the three C's. Mm -hmm. So like, what are some of the, when it comes to relationships, some of the problem areas that you kind of know what you're looking for. You're like, oh, no, that's not it. It's not the, it's not a leak here. No, like, how do you know what you're looking for?
0: The assessment does that. Mm -hmm. This is an assessment tool that has been used by hundreds of thousands of therapists, facilitators, coaches, psychologists, you know, I'm a certified facilitator, not a doctor yet because I start my doctoral program um, beginning of next year.
1: Congratulations.
0: Thank you very much. Um, But the assessment does it. It it literally lays out the blueprint of this is exactly what's going on with this particular couple. Mm -hmm. It shows that this area of communication needs strength. It needs some growth, or it may show that their conflict resolution, the way that they handle that, they're not in agreement. Mm -hmm. It shows the disagreement percentage and the agreement percentage. So after looking at these results, just like a mechanic would look at a diagnostic test and says, okay, you know what? I see what's wrong. You need a new spark plug. And to get that spark plug, you know, to get that thing operating, here's what we need to do. Mm -hmm. Here's some practical steps that we need to take. Here's some exercises, some homework that I need you guys to do.
1: Yeah. So it's like conflict resolution, a couple different like- You
0: got conflict resolution, areas of communication, Uh finances, how are we parenting together. If Uh it is a spiritual, if it's a spiritual thing, it's a spiritual section that we can pinpoint, okay, most of it's disagreement, you know, and it's not so much focusing on right or wrong. It's more so growth and strength areas. There may be areas where people need growth. It's not so pointing out like, oh, this is where you're wrong at. That's why, that's not what, that's not what you're coming to me for. Mm. I'm not coming to point out your flaws. Yeah coming and I want to see what areas you can grow in because as you grow you have strengths you use those strengths to complement each other and the areas that you need growth in will use those areas so you can grow stronger in those areas say the communication is a little weak
1: now we said you said earlier that we don't just focus on like romantic relationships right no so have you ever had like so I don't know if you've ever watched this episode of girlfriends but Tony and um, Joan are like best friends Tony goes to a therapist and she's like I want Joan to come in here with me because they're they're best friends and their relationship is on the rocks. Mm -hmm. Have you ever had like a friendship or like a mother-daughter or any other type of relationship come to you and say, hey, we need help?
0: That's not my target or focus, Mm. but outside of just doing the relationship mechanics, that's not, that's that's one of the gifts that God has given me. Let me just say it like that. Within this package is many gifts. And one of the other gifts he's given me is that of an evangelist. Mm. So I have done outreach and evangelical work across the United States and overseas. So to answer that question, yes, there has been a sister or brother or a mom or a dad had that has come to me outside of relationship coaching and just said, "Hey, here's a problem that I'm faced with. I, I saw that you were doing this type of work out on the streets or in the community. What can you say? Or is there something you can help me with my family?" Yeah. And God may have given me insight in that moment, or maybe after meditating on what they told me, I've come back to him like, "You know what? Here's how I believe you and your sister, or you and your brothers, can get along again." man Yeah. Yeah.
1: I love it. I think what what you're saying is, especially going in and um, assessing a person's relationship with their significant other being able to do that on a regular basis those same things tend to show up in different parts of your life so um you being able to go out there and just kind of speak to people in the world informs the work that you do i'm sure as a relationship mechanic so we're like we like the common understanding of relationships is you have to go into a relationship knowing what you're bringing like to the table whether it's your baggage your strength um your childhood trauma and that stuff so i think this is a really good spot for us to like talk more about like your journey and like how you've learned who you are along the way so Mm -hmm. like speaking of if we could go all the way back to like the childhood trauma what are some of the things that you noticed about yourself that you had to overcome before you felt like you were healed?
0: This is a good segue because I was about to, I was about to actually start saying this, that since a young child, I've had this, this, I would say intuitive gift to be in touch with humanity. Like I never understood it when I was a child. You know, I'll be sitting there, I can recall back as far as, I think I was about maybe 11 or 12 years old, and me, my cousin, and my brother were sitting on a curb in New York. And I I was staring at the sky, and I was like, man, what happens when everything is gone? Like, just everything, like the clouds are gone, the sky is gone, there's nothing left, like, what happens? And they were like, man, what are you talking about? Like, And then I would just look up at the sky, and I felt like it was something pulling me, literally like something was like, come, like, pulling me, and I... I didn't, I, re- I didn't really understand it, you know, and the environment we grew up in, I mean, it was it was pretty rough, you know, um, typical environment, you know what I mean, that some guys from the inner cities grow up in, rough neighborhood, I don't want to go too much into it, you know, people dying, they selling drugs, things of that mm-hmm. nature.
1: You've seen a lot.
0: Um, so seeing those things obviously created, they created experiences, they started to shape and mold me in some shape, form, or fashion, you know, and at some point, there was still this inner pull, you know. Even as I got into my teenage years, and I was, I was just always curious, like, why is this pull? I was the leader when it came to my guys, and, and when we were out there in the streets and everything, they would look up to me, like, hey, what's the next move, man? Because mm-hmm. I did music as well, so they, I, that my musical gift was kind of like the exit, the exit strategy to get us out. Got it. And so people would be like, man, where we going? You know, what's the move? And I'm like, I don't know. Give me a second. And I, w- I remember going around like a grant. Um, I would go around the corner. And just like this is when i would like um i was drinking hennessy and i would have my hennessy and i would drink like i would drink like almost half the pint i had a pint and i would drink like almost half of it and just slide down the wall and be like god where are we going i don't even know where i'm going they're asking me where we going you know so so as we fast forward um i begin to get involved with you know the church and I didn't really have a relationship with God. I was just in, I was involved. I would go. you know, my mom would want to take me, so I would go. And it started to have me get an understanding of why I was here, who I am and whose I am, and and how the Creator shaped and mold me and, and why I felt this pull. And then I began to, address some of the issues that I had. Like, okay, this is why I'm battling with, you know? It wasn't overnight, though. It wasn't actually until I got into my late, no, mid-20s that I had like in uh, I would say an epiphany. It's in my book. I was talking about how I was sitting in a park and I would always take these long walks back from my friends hanging out and everything and I was sitting in the park and I remember I would have my little Hennessy, that was my thing, you know what I mean? And I was sitting there and at that moment, it was like I felt this burst of love in my heart like I never felt before. Like, And I was like, man, is this the Henny? And I was like, nah. Because it was like a love, a overwhelming amount of love that I've never experienced before. And I was like, man, I wonder if this is that love of God that my mom always talks about. like. I'm like, I wonder if this is it. And I was like, I think this is it. Because I can't, this is like, I never felt it. It it, it wasn't like that love you feel from a significant other or a family member or your dad or your parents or whomever. Somebody, you know, it was just different. I, I could just sense that it was different. And so in that moment, I said, "Okay, this must be that God love. So in that park that night after that, I made this declaration right that night. I said, you know what? If somebody doesn't love God or the the creator of the world, the person that created everything, it would be impossible for them to truly love me. And so I said, "Okay, if you don't truly love the God that created everything, then you don't truly love me. And then you didn't have to be perfected. You didn't have to be you know walking the whole straight and narrow but you just had to identify and recognize that there's something greater than us and Mm. that being loves us and I love that being you know so that begin that that was my journey of healing right there because then I begin to ask people like so I'll be around my friends we would be hanging out doing what we do once again I wasn't expecting perfection you know we'd be drinking or doing whatever we do and I'll be like yo man how y'all feel about God oh man here you go man I don't want to talk about that and I was like Mm, okay. hmm Cause think about it, we dapping each other up. Yo, I love you, man. I'm like, after that moment, I'm like, do you really love me though? Yeah. Like how can you love me but not love the one that created everything? And you know, I I mean I just I just started, you know what I mean, deciding who I was gonna be with and spending time with because I was like, Okay, I'm I think I'm about to go on a whole nother type of journey now. Mm-hmm. You know, so as his thing, let's fast forward. Because that was when I was in my 20s. I was like early 20s, like 20, I think I was like 21. Okay. And dang, that was
1: was (laughs) Forty-one
0: years old. Oh wow,
1: 20 years
0: ago. Yeah. Um, Gross. But when I came out of my, when 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 I went through my divorce, 2017, no, 20 was it 2017? 2017, the top of 2017, there was a church I was a part of and they had a course called The Hiller Being Healed. Mm-hmm. And it was a 16 week course. It was part of the, the leadership college that I was going through. So in this leadership college, there was a course called The Hiller Being Healed. And I went through that course. And as I was going through that course, we began to, I began to get new language. And we were studying trauma. We, was, we were studying generational trauma. We were studying curses. We were studying how to break patterns in the family and as I'm going through it, I had to learn how to talk again. Yeah. And what do I mean by that, that, um, actually, you know what, you know, let me back it up. Dang it. Before that, and I said this on another one of my, uh, podcasts, God began to deal with me with memory. What do you mean? Meaning how to, it's, it's, this is actually, it's a bonus chapter in my, in my, it's a bonus chapter in the current book I have, but mm-hmm. the second book, it's, it's the actual chapter, first chapter called living with the memory. Okay. And. He began to show me how, even in the marriage at that time, I didn't learn how to live with the memory of what occurred. And so, even as even as I pushed the marriage out this equation, he took me back to even my childhood. He took me back to moments in time where he was like, Jamel, you never learned how to live with the memory
1: mm, of what happened to to you." And it's like just to me, oh. and, it,
0: and and not a not a not even what people did, but what even what I did with myself. He said, "You never learned how to live with the memory." Because think about it: when we grow up, and I and I talk about this all the time, this will set people free. Is Typically when we grow up in our culture, let's say you fall off your bike, as an example, and you run to your guardian, whoever's watching you at that time. Oh, my leg hurts, man, dust dust your leg off, we're trying to finish this spade game. So you dust your leg off, you get on the bike. You don't get to tell them really how you feel. Fast forward, time moves forward, you get into your teenage years. Maybe it's a young, let's just use a young lady in this example, she goes to, maybe she wants to tell her guardian or whoever, you know, um, maybe she has sex and she wants to tell them. It's Thanksgiving. Help, help me set the table right now. Nobody want to hear that. Whatever you got to say, it can hold on to later. So you right. hold it. You don't say nothing. You mask it and you say, I'm okay. Never mind. I'm, I'm going to talk about you. So you set the table. Time moves forward. We become adults. And so all these years of our lives, what we did was we learned how to mask it, but we never know, we never learned how to live with the memory. Living with the memory. So we just mask it. And we just keep going through life. You know, we put on the tie, we put on the suit, we put on the makeup, we put on the fancy clothes, we do all the external things to cover up our memory, but it's still there. So as we fast forward to what I was talking about, God was like, Jamel, you never learned how to live with the memory. And I was like, Whoa. And so right when that when that came upon me, I started the course for my leadership college the healer being healed. Mm-hmm. And so when I went into the college, they began to expound on what was already revealed to me. But they were giving me language and understanding like, oh, generational trauma. We were going through the you know, the psychological reviews and how this came about and the meaning behind breaking generational patterns and curses. And, and I'm like, whoa, like this is interesting. So then we would do exercises to express how we felt. So we use elementary. To me, it was elementary because I never really opened up like that, so it was like certain sentences like, I felt like this when you did this.
1: Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, giving you the language. Yeah,
0: so even even at first I was kind of resisting, like, man, like, this is so stupid, like, and we in little circles and I'm like, and we, and we got like examples that we have to play out, and I'm like, I felt like this when you said this to me, and I'm like, but by I think like maybe the sixth week, it was like, wow, I feel the freedom being, I feel it coming, and I'm like, so I started to use the language with... I remember I used it with my dad and then I used it with certain friends and they was, they was something happened. I was like, you know what? I felt like this when you made that comment. It made me feel like this. Can you explain? Like, And it just opened up this whole new world. And I was like, whoa, like, oh, snap. Like, this level of communication really sets you free, you know? So after that 16-week course, there was a healing taking place. And with the memory portion, God revealed to me, Jamel, the, the, the way that you learn how to live with the memory is you have to partner your memory with healthy people, not perfect
1: Partner your memory with healthy people, not perfect yes,
0: people. Yes, because it's called living with the memory. It's not going nowhere. Yeah, yeah. What happened to you whenever it happened to you is not going nowhere. Right. The whole, maybe it may be partnering with a therapist, you know, or maybe partnering with somebody that you can confide in, you know? How do you do that? Because I could hear somebody listening to this will say, okay, I hear what he's talking about. Well, how do I do that? Me and everybody's story may be different. I asked God. I said, God, well, after He revealed it to me, I was like, well, how do I how do I live with the memory? If you if I, if you're you telling me that I never learned how to live with it, he said you have to partner it. So then I said, well, please put somebody in my life. It was simple as that. It wasn't no deep prayer. It was really I asked it, God to put something, put somebody in my life, like that I can share this with. And He um, placed an amazing man in my life. You know what I mean? And I began to be. First, it took a level of humility. Because I had to open up and say, hey, here's what's going on. What I shared, going on. I mean, at that time, I had just went through the divorce. Gotcha. But not only that, then, because after I went through the course, it went so much in depth with the course. that I said, OK, the, OK, that happened with the marriage. But let's just go further back. Yeah. Here. You know, like, yeah. I, I'm not even going to spend time on that. Right. Like, OK, the marriage, that happened. That's cool. That happened. Mm-hmm. Now let's take this memory thing all the way back to as far as I can remember. Yeah. I don't think I like when the police slam me on a car like that. I'm. I think I'm still dealing with that. So let's just unravel it all since we're unpacking it. Right. You know. So I, I started unpacking it all in the course, and then when I got with the, the man, I unpacked it to him. Like, hey, man, I still feel like this when this happened. And he was since he was a wise guy. You know, there's times he would give advice, offer advice, or he would just listen. But as I parted that memory, here's what I noticed was started to take place because I thought I was okay until one day I had to confront somebody face to face, and I, that trigger. Because triggers are going to reveal if you're really okay. Because we always mask it and say, I'm okay.
1: Yeah, I'm healed. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
0: Our favorite slogans, you know, oh, I'm good.
1: Yeah, a lot of times people go into a corner, they do their meditation, they are zen, you know, 24 24 hours of the day because they're not exposing themselves to people. But
0: triggers, triggers will, and the triggers will reveal if you're really healed. Yeah. The triggers will reveal if you're really healed. And so as I begin to part of that memory, what I noticed was the memory began to lose its strength. To the point that even if I used the marriage as an example, I would hear a song that we used to listen to, and yeah, it would trigger, mm-hmm. but the, the the memory wasn't strong enough to overwhelm me and push me into a point of isolation, mm-hmm. or quiet, or depression, or No, it was like, okay, I recognize you, I have the strength now to identify, I see that, I hear that, but I'm stronger. Because think about it, the memory's not going anywhere, yeah. or if it was an incident with um, any of my uh, loved ones. or any friends or anything I did to myself that would trigger something like, oh, this is when that, this made me feel, or with a business partner, man, this is the same thing. It was a trigger. Yeah. The memory came, but I'm stronger with it because I partnered that memory. I partnered okay. it with healthy with a healthy person mm. and it makes you stronger. But when we hide it and mask it, it's really a trick of, you know, of course, there's a practical side to it. But then also, I believe the spiritual component is that the the enemy, you know, or... Satan or whatever people want to use you know what I mean cuz I do believe there's good and evil spirits you know it wants you to keep masking it and hiding it and masking it and masking it to the point the mask gets so heavy that is that is weighty. That the worry is so heavy that is weighty on you. Mm-hmm. And then all they have to do is whisper. You might as well kill you.
1: Yes. Yeah.
0: And now you don't have enough strength. And so the person leaps off the building. The person hangs themselves. The person puts the gun in their mouth and blows their brains out, or they whatever they choose to do, whatever that form of suicide is. And we say, oh my God, I can't believe. And this is what you see taking place in the entertainment or the political arena or just in. Any type of neighborhood, whether it's suburban, the high rise mansion, yeah. this is what we see taking place. And we say, oh, my God, I can't believe. It. No, I can believe it now because the memory is literally what we're trying to get rid of.
1: How was the before you learned the tool? Did I
0: answer your question?
1: You did. OK, because
0: I feel like I went around.
1: you Because the question Chasing was, this rabbit hole. Well, the question was the trauma that yeah, you overcame, right. Came, right? right. You told us about your experience growing up. Mm hmm. Um, and how one before you found like your peace and, and like your soul kind of woke up Realizing the love you felt with God you were just kind of living drinking Hennessy living with the the boys yeah. on the street, right? Yeah, that's part of the trauma you Recognizing like love your love for God and how other people's love for God would represent their like would basically have to like pour into you that's how you started to like change your relationship dynamics with your friends. Fast forward to your your relationship and your marriage. You go through the divorce. That's a, that's a trauma in itself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then you find this course to help you explain how you're feeling. It's a completely different experience. Attaching that um, that learning about the language of like the memory that that you're bringing to your adulthood. You attach that memory to someone who is healthy for you, Mm -hmm. to help you process that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And now that you have someone, you're able to process other traumas. So you answered the question. I think we have a little bit more to talk a little bit about. Yeah. Because I'm curious, you know, you recognize, okay, I wasn't, I didn't necessarily like how I felt when that cop treated me how I felt. And then you also have the trauma of being in a relationship, but then there's, there's all the stuff in between of us suppressing the stuff that you mentioned, like we kind of just kind of develop a memory of uh, toxicity, right? So when you think about how you are operating before you had the language to describe how you feel, what does it look like before it gets to a person where they're ready to like hang themselves or do something negative or do harm to themselves? What did it did it look like for you to be operating with that negative memory, but you hadn't necessarily dealt with it? The top three responses that I get when I ask why do you want to leave corporate America are that you want financial freedom, you want to own your own time, And you want to build a legacy for this generation and generations to come. Now, this is not a solo job. In order to transition from your 9 to 5 into entrepreneurship, it's going to take community and it's going to take resource. And I've created the community of pioneers who are going to wrap around you and help you make that transition successful. So if you're interested in leaving your job, go ahead and click that information below. Let's get into the community and let's transition from your 9 to 5 into entrepreneurship successfully. Now let's get back to the episode.
0: I had different coping mechanisms, Mm -hmm. which I believe we all adapt Mm -hmm. You know, my coping mechanism was, I mean, when I was in my teens, it was like, okay, we just gonna gonna get high, you know, so I ain't gotta think about it. We gonna drink, so we ain't gotta think about it. We gonna get real numb. Or I'ma get real numb. Let me say we. Let me talk about me. I'ma get real numb, so I ain't gotta feel it. I don't wanna feel what's going on outside. I don't wanna feel those thoughts that I'm thinking. I don't wanna think about what I just saw you know, on the corner. I don't want to think about what I saw in the house. I'm just going, this is what I'm going to do. This is my coping me- my mechanism, you know? And I thrived off the nightlight. So when I was in New York, if I, not even, I'm saying, I'm not saying nightlife like in the clubs, cause I could care less about that. Me, it was um, just being in the streets. It was like, it was like a high for me, like mm-hmm. to be outside with my dudes and, the corner and it's and it's crazy. Even though it was craziness going on, it was like ah, this is this is this is helping me right here. Yeah. And then music became my outlet. So music became a very major coping mechanism. Um, not too much any longer. Even though I do music, I wouldn't describe it as a coping mechanism. Mm-hmm. It does help me vent out some. It does help me filter out some of the things that may be hard for me to express because when I'm writing or expressing my music, it just comes out different. So, but music was a heavy coping mechanism for me. It kept me from doing a lot of things that, that I probably would have got involved in. It kept me out of a lot of things where most of my friends got involved with and ended up going to prison for long term and for life mm. and some dying, you know? Music was that thing that sometimes brought me stability. And it was that thing that kept a lot of guys around me out of trouble
1: were you uh were you a rapper singer? I was what was rapping. your music musical yeah. talent rapping really yeah so like if you were like when you think about the the lyrics and stuff uh, if you were to like tell us a little bit about like what the lyrics were about were you extremely hard hard in your in your uh rap no i
0: would say i would say i was like starting out maybe it would be like i was rapping about what was going on around us mm-hmm. and things we were doing mhm so mm-hmm some was positive some was negative Mm -hmm. well the negative part was what we were doing and the positive part was how i was thinking how i wanted to see it the preferred reality that i wanted you know mixed with the negativity going on like okay this is what's going on right here in this moment this is what's going on last night but here's how i prefer it to look for it gotcha so it was like it was more of a um conscious Mm -hmm. you know yeah but it was still some grungy part in there it would be like 80 percent conscious let me say 70% conscious and like 30% whatever, yeah. this is what it is, mm-hmm. you know, and then, but once again, when I had that kind of epiphany, and then I had lost a brother, when I had lost my brother, it really kind of shifted a lot too, where I was like, you know what, I just gotta, I gotta write different, you know what I mean, I gotta write with an exit strategy versus just writing what we're seeing. plus my life was changing, so I couldn't talk about the same thing no more.
1: Yeah. So then, um, bringing it back, and and I, I hate to hear that about your brother. No, um, that's good. I know it's part of life, but at the same time, it has its own set of trauma for you, right? So bringing it back to. Um You learned the tools. Mm -hmm. You went through the course. You found a a mentor to help you process your emotions. Um, What did you do with that information? Like, did you go and say, "Okay, I'm gonna be a coach about it now," or like, how did you develop your skill set in it? Like, how did you know I'm gonna take this this education that I have and I'm gonna do something with it as a brand, or did it like come naturally?
0: You know what's interesting? Like, I never really coach. Of course, this is just. The terms that we use, you know, mm-hmm. coach, life coach. My gifting is an evangelist, you know, and I was doing that before any of this stuff, before relationship mechanic, before, because it's all, if we really look at it, it's, it's, it's all, it's still the same thing. An evangelist is a person that goes out and reaches people that may be in a dire situation. They're lost. They're trying to find themselves. And this person as an evangelist is willing to go to the ends of the earth. To go out in the midst of whatever and get them and bring them back Mm -hmm. to identity or at least bring them back to someone that can give them identity. Or let's just say like this. The evangelist is the fisherman. He will fish. He will go gather the fish and he'll bring them back to the to the restaurant or back to the to the kitchen or wherever the case may be and say, okay, here, here's all the fish. And now he's done. And then the chef will prepare it you know mm. so as a, even as a relationship mechanic i don't have all i'm not the be it um what should i say i'm end not the all. end all the be all mm-hmm. you know there there may be a couple that come to me and i'm preparing them and i'm i have an understanding enough to say okay i can okay i got you to this point you need to go here now but i got you i came and got you or you came to me you know but as the, with the evangelical gift working in me alongside with this this value for relationships I'm always with my eyes open of how can I how can I help somebody find themselves and that light bulb go off, you know? How can I sow a seed into their life or plant or water their life so they can come to a, a recognize, a, um, come to um, realization of this is what I'm supposed to walk into, you know?
1: I think that's amazing, and the fact that you introduce yourself as a servant, um, I'm a, I'm along the journey and I'm seeing you healing as a person, right? And like you said, the relationship mechanic didn't come until later on. So, like, professionally, what was, like, what, and you do, you did music as well. Mm -hmm. So, like, what was your, like, where did you start your professional career along this, like, personal journey? I used to be a surgical technologist. A surgical technologist? Yeah. You had to break that down. What is a, a surgical, surgical technologist?
0: Technolo- it's a person that assists in the operating room with surgery.
1: Oh, okay. So you're the, so the, the surgeon has the scalpel and, and he's stuff. Know what
0: he's doing it and there's a tray and he's saying, hey, pass me that knife. Mm-hmm. Pass me this. Pass me that blade. Pass me this. So you have to be and just as
1: educated as, as them because you're not
0: I didn't have to be as educated as a <laughs> doctor because <laughs> I wasn't doing the surgery. OK, but I had to be educated enough to know what he wanted when he wanted it. And then also understand the surgery that was taking place to kind of sometime even predict what he was going to reach for or ask for before he did it. Mm. And just have it there like and he he already knows because I know what's the next step. I yeah. know what he's doing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: How did you get into that,
0: <sighs> man? I'm going to be writing another book next year. <laughs> hey. Because, I mean, it, it's, it's, it's a, let me summarize it like this. Okay. I got into that because, not because, I was, because if I say One Piece, gonna you're probably going to ask, how did I get into that?
1: So you might as well just tell the story, you know how.
0: I was teaching, I was teaching English to South Korean students and i got into that because there was a guy at my church at that time and i was looking for work he said hey i know somebody you know cuz i had a i had i had a at that time i had a computer programming degree and mm-hmm. i couldn't find any work and he was like hey i got a guy that i know he's looking for teachers and i was like a teacher what do you mean like he was like to teach english to south korean students you don't got to know a bunch of you don't got to know korean and i'm like okay whatever so fast forward i met the guy he gives me the job and while I was doing that work, teaching English to South Korean students online through a phone, I was like, man, I, I need to get something else. So I ended up going to school for surgical tech. Because hmm. I was I went to a school, and I, I didn't know what it was. And I walked through this room, and this guy was in there doing, like, with a, like with a dummy on the table, hmm. doing surgeries. And I'm like, what is this? And he told me, I was like, I like that, I could do that. And so I signed up and I started doing that. And then next thing you know, I was a surge tech.
1: Okay. Got you. So you follow your interests.
0: Yeah. I was doing ophthalmology and gastroenterology.
1: Gastroenterology. Yeah. So
0: colons and EGDs, which is, you know, dealing with esophagus. Mm.
1: And
0: then I was doing ophthalmology, dealing with just eye surgery, you know, like cataracts.
1: Yeah. So you have the makings of a medical career.
0: Yeah. Um, My younger brother was actually going to school to be a plastic surgeon prior to him passing. And... I was actually thinking about being a first, uh, I was actually thinking about being a surgeon. But then I wasn't, I guess I wasn't as strong because I remember I used to study like some of the medical books in the hospital library. And then some of the nurses would be like, what are you doing? What you trying to be, a doctor? And I'll be like, yeah, I might just be a doctor. Mm-hmm. I might just be a surgeon. Mm-hmm. And they were like, yeah, whatever. And I think my mind wasn't as strong. So when they said that, sometimes I used to be like, Man, maybe they' right. I can't. I can't. I could be. Let me just leave. man, mm-hmm. whatever. That. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'll just be a surgeon. You know what I mean? Yeah. So.
1: And when you think about like purpose, you know, it. I think exposing your dreams and stuff to people is a mm-hmm. bit iffy, right?
0: But what's crazy is even when I was doing that, like, music is an innate gift that I have. It wasn't mm-hmm. like something that I like. I strained to do. I knew it was there. So even when I was doing surgery, the the people there that found out that I did music was like, man, what are you doing here? Like, what are you doing here? And mm-hmm. then even some of the leaders, the leadership that I was around in terms of the evangelical gift, they would be like, "What are you doing?" And at that time, I admit, I was running. What were you running from? I was running from my call. I was running from. I was running from purpose. Um, was I in purpose? I believe I. I Everything plays a part of purpose. let me just say that. But I was, run- let me use the call, I was running from my call, which I, what I knew what it was, but I was running. What was it? You know, just the call of, you know, people would say, oh man, you got a, you got a pastoral gift on you, or I can see you as this evangelist, or, or even even in music, because it's like I said, there's many gifts in this one package. It's not just one thing. Mm-hmm. Oh, your, your music transformed. And it, and it did, and, it, and I saw it, I witnessed it. When I would do music, to, on, you know, especially on the streets, when I was transitioning, it would pull certain people off out of neighborhoods, certain guys would stop doing what they were doing, then they would say, hey man, you going to service? I want to go to Bible study. I'd be like, all right, all right, okay, cool. But at that point in time, it was like the weight of the call. It was like, I was just like, oh, it's like everybody depending on me, Like I'm cool, Like I'm just going to be regular. I'm just going to hide behind this surgical gown.
1: Mm.
0: You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm just going to do this. And But what's crazy is, even with the surgical part, it still played a part. Um, there's some interesting people I met. But I still was kind of like, I still was ducking. I was ducking the call. I was ducking the call for a while, because I remember saying this, I said, um, if you don't accept your gift, and this was for me, if you don't accept your gift, then it's like you're disrespecting your gift, you know? And so I I I, I disrespected it for a long time. Um, it wasn't until, shoot, I would say almost two years ago that I was like, you know what, I accept it. What I'm was that going. moment?
1: Two years ago, what were you doing? And because I'm, I'm imagining this fork, right? Actually, you know
0: what, let me say a year hmm. ago. Okay. A year ago, where I was just like, I got tired of hiding because God would show up where I hid. Mm. I couldn't hide. I remember being at a music event. It wasn't a music event. My cousin was doing a, um, he was a, he was DJing an event. And I remember I planned it. I said, tonight I'm going to go hang out with him. Just sit behind his booth. Chill. I don't go out. I, I, I don't go out too much. So I was like, tonight I'm going out with him. I'm going to chill behind the booth. I'm not talking nothing about music. I'm not talking nothing about God. I don't nothing. I'm laying low. <laughs> he was like, "Hey, cause I need you to go over to the um, go over to the bartender and tell her to, to give me a um, ask her can she give me a glass of red wine." I was like, "All right, cool." He was like, "You want one?" I said, "Yeah, I will take one." He said, "All right, so go get it." She got you. Just tell her. And I was like, "Okay." So I walked over there. Um, I was able to bypass the line because it was for him, and they gave me the two glasses of red wine. And there was a lady off to the corner of me, she said. Well, man, why do you didn't get me one if you got all the way to the front line? I was thinking, uh... I was just like that, and I'm like, okay. I was like, I don't want, to, I'm not trying to talk to her. I don't know if she's trying to talk to me. I don't know what's going on. I'm, I'm just like, uh, I said, okay, what do you want? She said, I want what you guys are doing. I said, okay, can I get another glass of red wine? You know what I mean? So I gave it to her, and wasn't, you know, it wasn't nothing like, Trying to talk to her. I was like, here you go. And I was going back, and she was like, hold on a second. And I was like, I hope she ain't trying to talk to me. Mm. And not to say that. And because
1: I'm wondering why. But I just
0: doing... wasn't there for that. You okay. know what I mean? I okay. was like, I just wasn't there for that. Mm-hmm. And because once I'm just trying to chill. Mm-hmm. So I gave it to her, about to leave. She said that, and I turned back around. I said, what's going on? She said, when you hand me my glass. <sighs> She said the Lord spoke to me and I said, Oh like, mm. I don't want I'm not trying to do this. Shit, like. mm. And I said, Okay. And I'm just like, I'm not gonna be rude and be like, okay, that's cool, and then leave. I said, okay, what's going on? And she was like, Do you do music? And I was like, I was about to lie and say, No, I don't. Mm-hmm, I mm-hmm. said, Yeah, I do, I do a little something like that. You know, and she was like, She was like, No, you you have a musical gift. And she was like, This is what the Lord is telling me. Why are you hiding? Mm-hmm. And I was like, No, I'm not hiding. She said, No. Stop hiding. And she said, really, that's all I gotta say. And she walked off and I said. And I went back and gave my cousin his drink. And I just sat there and I was like, it was like, it was like my night was ruined. Although, I mean, not to that extent, but that's that's what it was. It was kinda like, wow. It was sobering, but it was like, like, there's no way. There's there's no way.
1: Mm-hmm. So yeah. my night was ruined because you can no longer. That was
0: one of the moments where I just said, you know what, I'm I'm done. I fully accept it. Here I am, you got me. I'm this is this is it.
1: Yeah. You
0: know? And relationship mechanic and all that—that that just became—it's—it's a—it's a name because one, I value relationships. Mm-hmm. The mechanic part came from the three C's, you know, because mm-hmm. I know everybody always says relationship coach, and I was like, no, I'm going to say relationship mechanic. Now, if somebody says coach, I'm not going to be offended. Like, oh mm-hmm. no, I'm a mechanic, but I just like that relationship mechanic.
1: Yeah, it differentiates you. Yeah, I'm thinking about the transition, right? So she says, you know, <laughs> God spoke to me. She tells you what she tells you ruins your night. But then, so that's the internal, that's us, you know, accepting our mission. Mm -hmm. But then externally, there's a whole other battle that we have to face when it comes to like us living that purpose. So what was it like for you to like first acknowledge it? And then what did you have to do so that you can make your internal like uh, submission, like live out tangibly in the world?
0: You know, it it really wasn't nothing I had to do because I just had to be. You know, and there's a difference between doing and being, you know, I just had to be. Just be me. Just be who he designed me to be. And as I'm being, then I'm forming and I'm becoming. And so I just had to accept and then just be and let it form so I can become who he made me to be. You know? Does that make sense? Because i never said nothing like that in my life until right now.
1: <laughs> it flows so well. And I
0: believe it's, it's truth what I just said, just yes. be. Yes. I think we spend so much time, here's the thing, we spend so much time focused on how am I going to do this? How am I going to do this to become this? Rather than taking time to be still and just be. And when I say be still, I'm not saying sitting in a chair not moving cuz you can be while you're moving, but just be. Be in you. Be whatever that is in you, be it. And sometimes that, you know, sometimes we try to do it. Yeah. Like oh if I if I do it, mm-hmm. then then I'm going to be it. Yeah. Just be. It's already there.
1: As entrepreneurs, we're always trying to run the play. We're always trying to like find the play, run the play, do so much, right? Make so many decisions. So if like what you're saying, and even myself, I've struggled with like, um, Oprah says one time, like if you are struggling with like a decision that you need to make, then don't make any decision. And what you're saying is like, just be. But for those of us who like get antsy and they do want to do, what is it? What does it look like to just be for in a practical sense? Yeah. Right? So here's the
0: thing. This is coming to me right now. The being, when you when when you accept the being, then it gives you identity to do. Whatever I, you. I mean. had to accept, okay, you know what? I accept it. Mm-hmm. I accept the call. I can't h I accept that I I'm just going to be. Now I begin to get understanding of identity. You know? Maybe that understanding for some people may look like as I accept the be of who I if I as I accept this call. Now I, I accept it. And then i maybe I'll put myself in the environment to get understanding of this identity so I can start doing and now i just start doing and now it's 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 effortlessly because this is this is internally what's in me it's not something i'm trying to be you know and sometimes that's when it's frustrated when we're operating outside of our call or we're operating outside of our gift then it's like you're trying to be something that you're not and now it's like force potential it's like if i just said you know what you know what i'm going to do i'm going to start teaching all about entrepreneurship shout out to my my um my broski dave who's who's a master at entrepreneurship i could talk about it and teach about it, but that's not me. Yeah. My vein, my niche, one of those innate gift things that God has given me is relationship. The name of my business is Fire Iron Consulting. Mm-hmm. And Fire Iron came from an image that he shared with me because I was one day asking, and in that in that part of trying to get understanding of the B, God deals with me with images, and he showed me the image of a fire iron because I was like, okay, God, what is that one thing that I just, that I innately have that it's just like, I could do it blindly, it just, it's just there. And I had the image of a fire iron. And a fire iron is that tool that they have next to a fireplace and they use to kind of stoke the flames and stir up the flames. Mm-hmm. And I seen that image and I said, what? and then he automatically connected a scripture that I know in the Bible. It's a, a scripture where Paul is talking to Timothy, his protege, and he says, I need you to stir up the gift. I need you to fan into the flames. And when I, when I read that, I said, wow, I said, that's what it is. I can talk to somebody from anywhere from maybe 14 to 45 minutes, whether it's a individual or a couple now I use it in my relationship consulting but if it's an individual within 14 to 45 minutes I have an innate, innate gift like that fire iron to stir up the gift inside of you mm. st- Stir up the flame stir up the logs and just really had that flame and have that passion burning to the point that It will be presented to you and you'll know wow this is it and then from there I'm out the move I'm out the way I recognize when I when I can identify that. Now it's time for me to probably pass you to a person like David Shands or some of my other prestigious friends or whomever I may know. Maybe oh you know what you should go talk to this leader. I, you, I we both identified it and I'm mm-hmm. like mm, you can talk to this person. So how maybe you, Jamel can not help you after I see it. But yeah, if I you, see it, then it's like I can help you with that. Yeah. But if I if I identify and I know I'm not gonna sit there and act like I can. Mm-hmm. I'm not the. Every mechanic has a specialty. You know what I mean? Mm. Maybe I don't specialize in fixing windshields, and I and I and I realize, oh, you got a windshield thing. I got a guy for you.
1: So when it comes to the relationships, that's one assessment. Do you work specifically with individuals to like find their gifts and things like that, or is that just something that you also do from an evangelist perspective?
0: From an evangelist perspective, I mean, I would not. I would not shun anybody away.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: If we would just happen, it has to be like if there was like a connection that was made. Because I once again I'm trying to just stay in this in my lane. Mm-hmm. But if there's a connection that's made with an individual. And I'm like, you know what? And they really wanted to work with me. I would say, okay, let's, let's, let's work together. You Mm -hmm. know, let's see what that looks like, Mm -hmm. you know, but it wouldn't be, it's not my target target, but I would, cause I, it's just, it's just the passion part of me. Like my mercy motivator is like, okay. Or I would connect them with individuals. I'm quick to do that. You know, like, Mm -hmm. oh, you know what? I know a group of people that you'll be perfect with. Yes. You know, or come hang out with me with these individuals and put them in the environment because I'm okay with that.
1: It allows you to facilitate them
0: being. I love the facilitation part. I love the curating part. Yeah. I'm a I'm a master at that. I can yeah. curate the relationships and put people where they need to be. Like you know what? And once again, that fire iron part, innately, when when it hits, I know it. Yeah. I'm like, you know what? If you listen to me, I'm telling you, this is it right here. Call this person. Now, I, I never promise people like, oh, when you call this person, your business is gonna take off or your relationship's gonna take off. I just know in that moment, you need to call this person. Yeah. When it, when you call them. Y'all work it out, but something's going to happen. I don't know what it is, but just call them.
1: Mm, I think that's amazing. As an entrepreneur, for sure, I know you said like- Or just
0: do this. I don't know all the ins and outs, but Mm -hmm. please just take this one step. And then, because I don't sit there and go, oh, if you do this, then God's going to move and and I just, he just showed, no, but in that gift that he's given me, it's this nowhere, that fire iron when it's like, this is it right here, especially after we done talked and the flames came up and we're both sitting there like, yeah, oh my God. you And I'm like, do it. Take a step. Cause I'm telling you, when you take a step, it's gonna work. And there's some time where it doesn't. I don't, you know, it doesn't stir. But it's it's more than more than more times than none. Nine times out of ten, if that thing sparks like that, go with it. Yeah. And I've had it happen with a couple of my friends. Even one one person individually. It we were talking. Um, she got a name for the business. And I said that's it. Mm. I said write this down. This is it. Did it. Phew gone
1: are you ever aware of a person's trauma and what they might experience because you said that you you're not the entrepreneur uh expert but let's say they want to be an entrepreneur and you you can kind of tell what their trauma is are you ever aware of what that thing is that they need to kind of be exposed to oh yeah and put and you kind of like put them out there
0: yeah a lot of here's the thing too i don't believe entrepreneurship is oh uh, i don't know i'm gonna say it <laughs> Entrepreneurship is not new to God. You know? I know we got this whole... and I know people are going, ah, whatever. It is. It's not new to God. Me, personally, I believe it started in the garden. You know what I mean?
1: What, uh, Adam and Eve?
0: Entrepreneurship. The God said, I gave you, I give you dominion over the earth. I give you dominion over these things. Entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. He didn't say entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. He said dominion. Ownership. Entrepreneurship. This is what I want you to do. You know? And now it's become a huge fad. People wake up, and it's great that we have it. It's, it, it's needed in the earth. But I don't look at it as something new. I don't, I'm not like looking at it like new. Like I'm, I'm, I'm going to be an entrepreneur. I'm, I, I'm, I just became an entrepreneur. Well, the revelation of the difference behind that is it didn't. It started way before I even got here. It started. Bef- I believe it started in the garden. Me personally. Yeah. You know. Of course, there, there can be an argumentative approach to it, and that's okay. You know, what I mean, yeah. I'm not expecting everybody to believe what I believe, mm. but a lot of people would. Yeah. That it started there. I give you dominion. You know, we have that understanding, it's like, oh, hold on a second. It's already in me. You got to believe that there's something about you. There's a story, right? A story with David and, well, it's Samuel, and he's going to anoint the next king. And he goes to see Jesse. This is in the book of Samuel. And he's going to anoint the next king. Jesse has seven sons. He puts all his sons on display. They've been working out, fasting, eating fresh veggies, you know what I mean? And he sees one of the sons and he goes, this is the king. He's going to get his oil to anoint them. And God says, that's not the one. And in that moment, God tells Samuel, he said, man looks at the outer appearance. I look at the inner. I'm going somewhere with this, with the entrepreneur thing. Yeah. He said, I look at the inner, meaning I'm trying, I, I know what's already inside of you. So he says, that's not the one. Okay. Jesse, do you have any more sons? He said, yeah, I got David. But he's in the back with the sheeps and the goats. And he's like, okay, we're not going to do anything until he comes. So David comes. He's with the sheeps and the goats. I could imagine how he looks when he comes. He's probably not all, if you're in the back Far with the sheep and the goats. Far from looking like a king, but yeah. he shows up. And when he shows up, God tells Samuel, that's the one anointing. Because mm-hmm. remember, prior to that, God said, I look at the inner, man looks at the outer. Mm-hmm. So the, the entrepreneur or the king was already in David at a young age while he was with the sheep and the goats. Maybe even think about this until now, I wonder what he was learning with the sheep and the goats. Right. What kind of skill sets was he picking up? What kind of entrepreneurial skill sets was he picking up with the sheep and the goats at a young age? It was already in him. It was being molded with the sheeps and the goats. The sheeps and the goats, I could imagine he was probably, you know, tending to the sheep, trying to make sure they were in order, probably cleaning up poop, probably raking whatever he had to clean up. Just, it probably was a dirty job, which most of us don't want to do. We want to be what we see and then say, I'm an entrepreneur. It's in you, but are you willing to groom it and go through the process that it takes? So anyway, Samuel sees him and he anoints him. And then in that moment... David is king, but he doesn't look like a king. He becomes a king. He becomes what was already in him. The entrepreneur was already in him. He's just becoming an entrepreneur. He's becoming what's already inside of him. And then, if we continue to read the story, you know, he goes through his trials and tribulations as an entrepreneur.
1: Yeah. I got to read that yeah, because I want to know what the trials and has to. We
0: have to believe that there's something about us. Just like his thing with David, what I got out of that, there's something about you. There's an entrepreneur already in you. For Mm -hmm. somebody listening or watching this, the entrepreneur is already in you. You have to believe that there's something about you. And even though you don't have the status or you don't have the accolades or what everybody deems as a successful entrepreneur or what you need, all the equipment, all the tools, all the wherewithal, all the education, it's something about you. You have to believe that, though. Because here's the thing, God has people in place waiting to say, you know what, I, we're not doing anything until she shows up, until he shows up. Think about it with, with Samuel and David. He says, we're not, we're not gonna, I'm not going to do anything until David comes. He was waiting for him, already ready for him. There's people already waiting in buildings and offices with opportunities for you, waiting for you to show up. They got a thousand resumes, but they're like, we're not doing nothing until Ariel shows up. Because God already tagged that person's heart to say, you know what, don't know. When she comes, when she walks in the room. Her resume doesn't look like everybody else. She's not dressed like everybody else. She doesn't have the accolades like everybody else. But I put this entrepreneurial spirit in her way ahead of time. So when you show up, they're going to say, that's the one. That's the one. Where was she at? She was in the back with the sheep and the goats. She was in the back studying. She was in the back doing all nighters. She was in the back where, you know, I didn't have the right outfit when I showed up. I had what I can put together.
1: Ooh, you speaking some fire today! Did you know you came to preach to us? (laughs) I (laughs) didn't. Thank you so much for watching the Work & Play Podcast. This episode is sponsored by the Boss Up Conference, which is a community for entrepreneurs, CEOs, celebrities, and corporate executives to come together, network, and solve some problems. Thank y'all so much for being supporters of the Work & Play Podcast, and thank you for watching the Work & Play Podcast and all the episodes before. Now let's get back to the episode. When I was in my nine to five, like a leader, like a really, someone I really respected told me like, hey, you should be an entrepreneur. And I didn't see it in myself. So everything that you just said, I feel like there's someone, that a lot of us who have our journey into entrepreneurship, we, have, we feel like it's because we only been on this earth for so long. And when we have that thought, like, I know it's something inside of me that I can, that's literally how the story begins. And we just have to believe in ourselves. We have to know that it's something in us that's mm-hmm. going to take us through our entrepreneurial journey. So I think everything that you just said resonates with me specifically, but a lot of people who are on their transition and they're just like, I just, that, it starts with that thought.
0: This thought, just, this word just came to my mind and the word was sequence. And sequence has to do with an order. Mm-hmm. But sometimes that order can become mundane. And so we settle for sequence. We settle for the mundane, not believing what, what is inside of us. So if I don't believe that there's something about me, then I'll settle for the sequence. Think about, we go back to David. Mm-hmm. I don't know what his sequence was. I don't know what his routine, I should say, was. It probably was to get up, do whatever he did, get to the sheep and the goats. Do whatever you do, go back home. Routine, sequence. Samuel shows up and breaks the sequence. David, in that moment, understands. Hold, oh, I'm, I'm king. I'm king. Mm-hmm. Me? Mm-hmm. No. But then he believes there's something about him, and there's people that show up in our lives and intentionally. You know what? As a relation, maybe I have that ability as well. Not yeah, a sequence to break the sequence. We all have it. This conversation right now, I believe in. I believe right now there's a sequence, a pattern, a routine that. People that are listening to this, and perhaps even you, and it goes for me because whatever I'm speaking about goes for me as well. That we've been on this sequence, this routine, this pattern, and God's trying to break it and say, "No, th- you got to believe that there's something about you—that innate thing that's inside of you that keeps screaming and yelling—and you know that it's you. I want you to do it. You got to believe it first. That there's something about, there's something about me. And sometimes what can blind us is the routine, the sequence of what we're seeing too, because we see things in routine. You know, I'm I'm pretty sure when David was taking that route, he probably saw certain things that had him probably discover. It's like, you know what? This is probably all I'm supposed to be doing Uh is tending to the sheep and the goat. This is probably all I'm supposed to be doing is going to my corporate job. This is probably all I'm supposed to be doing is this is my environment, this destitute environment. These kids, this wife, this husband. This this is it. This is my plot and this is my life. And then that thing that's in us, that entrepreneur that's been there from the beginning, is screaming, "Let me out!" That's the world changer right there. But I'm in the sequence.
1: Bringing this to, so we as entrepreneurs, we have our individual journey, right? So bringing it back to relationships, I think um, the challenge for trying to maintain a relationship while you're heeding the call be difficult for a lot of people. And um, you mentioned like the sequence and like outside of even trying to find a mate, that can be a challenge, right? Breaking the cycle, being your best self um, and taking the heat, Right. When it comes to, like, trying to build a relationship as a young entrepreneur, um, do you find that there are ways that it can work, ways that it can't work? Do you have a, a wisdom about, like, young entrepreneurs who want to find love or or, or mesh with someone and build a vision together?
0: Mm-hmm. Um, they should get a copy of my book, mm-hmm. The Value <laughs> of Relationships, and a copy of my workbook, The Value Workbook. No, but seriously, um, seriously get the copy, but... I was saying this on one of the other podcasts, I approach, we should approach relationships, we should compliment one. You know, as we're building this relationship, but you find most couples, they compete. If you're in a relationship with somebody, you should never be competing again. And you find that, especially in our day and age, you know, you got the boss dude Mm -hmm. and the boss woman or the boss chick, Mm -hmm. independent, I don't need nobody, I'm on my journey. And to a certain extent, I understand, you know, you're on your journey, you're trying to build, you're being the boss. But when it's time for the relationship, there should be no competing and sometimes we enter those relationships as entrepreneurs competing i'm gonna be better than her i'm gonna be better than him i'm gonna make more money than her i'm gonna make more money than him i'm gonna do 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 and then, you know you know so we have these areas in the relationship where we're competing and once you start competing with the person that you're trying to do life with it's only a matter of time before it starts to separate and starts to crumble and starts to fall apart it should only be complimenting. i've come into the relationship to complement in every area mm-hmm. communication Maybe we have a disagreement, but I'm not out to see if I can argue louder than you, or disagree stronger than you, or slam a door more than you. Not saying we should be doing these things, but it's not competing. I'm compliment. I'm trying to always see for your well-being, especially if we're a team. Why am I trying to compete against my team member? And when it turns into that, the whole thing starts to crumble.
1: That makes sense, right? Mm-hmm. In In an essence, right? I think a lot of us have issues getting over the first hump because when you have something to commit to, like let's say you're in a relationship six months or more, and you hit a snag, and we realize we shouldn't be competing with ourselves, there's things to work through. Mm-hmm. But in the beginning of a relationship, how do you establish those type of values? Where, mm-hmm. for example, um, you mentioned the trauma of like learning to suppress how you feel, right? Mm-hmm. And for for entrepreneurs, there's very little time. Well. That might be a limiting belief. We don't make a lot of time for how we feel, right? Mm -hmm. So let's say you're in a relationship and you feel a way. And you're busy, they're busy. You never make time for that like feeling. So you hit a snag. Do you feel like early on in the relationship you should be making time for those type of, or if you feel like there's no time for that?
0: No, we make time for what we want. We make time for what we want. Most people, like I said this, I said this in an article one time. Um, a lot of us, we like the idea of the relationship, but we don't like the commitment, the work, or the responsibility that comes with it. Mm. I like the idea of her being my girl, him being my man. But the work and the responsibility comes where we have to have these transparent conversations these core value conversations and communicate this stuff sometimes we don't want to have it because we're like if i open up like this then i might lose her i might lose him and he's so fine and she man she got all the bells and whistles so let me just tiptoe around this for the first few days first few weeks first few months and then we're in this relationship and we never had these core conversations so at the beginning I even do this with people, we we have, I have memory meeting. Let's have a memory meeting. What does that look like? Let's, I'm not saying on the first day, you just sit there and say, here's what I went through when I grew up as a child. <laughs> right. But somewhere through the course of, I would, I would dare to say, if you guys are meeting consecutively throughout the first week or the first month, mm. say you're meeting with this person, you met with this person four times in a month since you met him, him or her, you should bring up that memory, you should have that memory meeting. Mm-hmm. Most people might not know how to do it, but what does that look like in a practical sense? Maybe yeah. you're sitting with the person in the park and it's the third date. Mm-hmm. you know, and you're like, somewhere in the conversation you weave it in, like, hey, is there anything that you experienced, you know, probably growing up or, you know, as a teenager or as a, an adult that just kind of like hit you traumatically, that, you know, kind of took your life for a drastic turn? You know, I'm, I'm open to hear about it. And they begin to explain, and you're like, oh. Now what th- what's happening is that memory is being partnered with you. Now you understand, okay, this is who I'm dealing with. This is what they've experienced. Mm-hmm. And then you have to make a decision right there, is this something I want to continue to carry on with? You have to make that and be honest. And it doesn't make the person a bad person. Maybe you're not willing to continue forward with the information they share with you. Mm-hmm. Or maybe you're like, you know what? I can handle this. I'm, I can handle it. And then they could look at you and say, you know, and they hear yours and say, you know what? I can. And then you guys begin to move forward. Mm-hmm. But now the transparency has occurred, so let's just say a month in. When he or she has that trigger and something happens and they're quiet in the car while you were driving. You got in the car laughing and now you're leaving the event and they're just like solemn and you're like, what's going on? And they're like, well, you know, remember when I told you? And you're like, "Oh, okay, do you want to talk about it? Maybe they might not want to talk about it. Maybe they do. But at least you know now because they shared that memory. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's essential because a lot of us don't do it. We, we get do. together mm-hmm. and we don't want to hear about that. Let the past be the past. Yeah. And that's and I'm not saying you bring up everything. Yeah. But you you have to have this conversation because yeah. what happens if we don't? So we say we don't have the, the conversation, and now the same scenario where we're in the car, we got in the car laughing, went to the park that morning. Then after that, we went to the gym. After the gym, we wouldn't have breakfast. We're just laughing and giggling. Then we're on that night comes and we're on our way from the event, whatever it was, a, a music show. And you're like, hey, babe, wasn't the show amazing? And he or she is like, quiet. You're like, okay, hey, what's going on? I could have swore we were just clicking away. That memory probably something maybe triggered that or uh, triggered a memory. Maybe it was a song. Maybe it was a gesture mm-hmm. that happened during the course of the, the evening, yeah. and you're unaware of it. Yeah. And now the person's drawing themselves into isolation, getting quiet. This mm-hmm. is your fourth date, mm-hmm. and you're wondering what's going on with him or her. I don't know what's going on. And they're telling you the famous words again. I'm okay. So just leave it alone. Okay. I'll drop you off. All right. Good seeing you, bye. And you're leaving like. The meeting
1: how long does the person deal with it
0: that's up to that person that's up to that person if they want to deal with that and if they want to fight for that because you may i mean you may sit with the person the next day and say hey you know last night and then the person may still mask it and say no it's okay everything's okay i don't want to talk and then you go on with like and it happens again it's, it's it's up to that individual how do do i want to keep dealing with this yeah. with a person masking yeah. and you may clearly be able to see no you know and i'm not saying you share your deepest darkest things at the beginning, but you need to say something. We need to have these conversations.
1: I think that's important. People
0: are not having them, because she looks so fine, I ain't about to tell her that I used to deal deal drugs, and I used drugs, and and when my mom did this, or my cousin, or I used to do this to myself, I used to do this to myself, and Mm -hmm. I don't want to lose her. not his name. if we don't we'll probably end up losing the person anyway
1: anyway but you know the bigger issue is i think with a lot of entrepreneurs is the too busy you know what i mean like mm-hmm. you mentioned dating right mm-hmm. i know a lot of women who will say like i don't have time to date like i would like someone to meet me where i'm at right so that's one mindset and then there's another mindset where it's like listen process. some people don't process their emotions alone much less spend time for a memory session mm-hmm. so like what's your stance on dating especially as entrepreneur do you and you said it, people make time for what they want to make time for. Yeah. So in your eyes, it doesn't matter what phase of entrepreneurship you're in, if you want to make time for a relationship, you will. And, and do you think dating is the best way to do that?
0: I believe people will make time. Some entrepreneurs are sometimes really laser-focused. And I, I don't believe there's nothing wrong with that. They're laser-focused, like, you know what, I'm not dating, I'm not even... I'm not even getting involved with the opposite sex for this particular time period. Maybe it may be six months. It may be however long, everybody's time frame is different. They mm-hmm. might be locked in, like I'm not, I'm going out, but I ain't really entertaining no man or no woman like that mm-hmm. for a period of time. Mm-hmm. When you do begin to do that, let's just say it, man, cause I'm, I just, I don't like, I just like this. <laughs> let's go. When you get lonely, Entrepreneurs may get lonely, the ones that are saying they're super busy. And if you're saying you don't want to deal with anybody, to some people sex is just sex. It ain't nothing. Mm -hmm. To some people it means more than that. But for those who it means more than just sex, they get lonely as an entrepreneur and they got that cozy night or afternoon or whatever the time frame may be. And now they want to have somebody. You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So you made time for 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 the one moment in time, but you don't want the relationship. You know, so you do have time. But here's the thing, if you continue to do that one moment in time with that same person, eventually something's going to happen. You might start losing focus because you're not doing it a healthy
1: way. Mm, Come on now. I'm not
0: saying there's nothing wrong with what you're doing, Mm because anybody listening to this or watching this, don't make it seem like I'm saying, oh, it's something wrong because you had sex with that person every Thursday and you're an entrepreneur. No. But eventually, it's going to start to sidetrack your thoughts, you know what I mean? Because now you're connected on a whole nother intimate level. It's not like y'all just getting together and having yogurt. Yeah. You know what I mean? You guys are getting together and doing what you're doing. So yeah. eventually, you know, it's going to do that. So we have, you t- make time for it. You know, it's work. That's what I said, it's work. We like the idea of relation. And sometimes I'm so busy, I'm so on the grind, it's just like a kickstand. Or another mask to be like, I don't have time. And sometimes, like I said, sometimes people don't have time, and that's yeah. understandable. Mm-hmm. But if you don't have time, then really don't have no time. Yeah. Don't have no time for none of it. Right,
1: because then you start to manifest stuff that you don't even want yeah. in your life.
0: But I'm saying, you see, even <laughs> when I say that, for people that think it's, for people that say, oh, it's just sex, mm-hmm. then that's cool. Because then I understand that. So for some people, it's like, yo, nah, we had a mutual agreement, we was gonna do this, and we kept our mind, yo, that's all right. Mm-hmm. But for the ones who say, I don't, um, I don't have time and then they make time for that and that is a real vital and important thing to them hmm I think you should be careful if your mindset's not like that because what happens is if you continue to do that It's going to wear on a person like that that, that really has that emotional love connection and then you can start get connected and let's just say the person you were with wasn't like connected like you and yeah. then they're gone mm-hmm. and now that entrepreneur business you were building, now you're waking up and you're supposed to be getting up at 8am and getting on your podcast and now you're kind of like thinking of him <laughs> or her like, and so you start at 10 now, it's yeah. just little trinklets start to happen, Yeah. you know? Real good. it starts to happen.
1: Yeah, that's really good. I yeah. think I can tell that the people who come to you and find you and and want to work with you in a couple capacity, they uh they can benefit great like heavily from like some of the things that you're sharing right now cuz mm-hmm. you have perspective, yeah. right? You're not just speaking from a theoretical perspective, you're speaking from your own experience. Also, you have the friends in the space. We are all trying to be our best self, but a lot of us don't know how. So it's great that they have a guide, so someone like you who can help them like figure out where the issue is and then fix it if they want to do the work.
0: Yeah. And I want to say this. I have tutors and mentors and counselors over me as well. Mm. You know? So mm-hmm. it's not like I'm just spewing this out and then like, okay, well, who he goes? I have some powerful, strong individuals in my corner that check me mm-hmm. and I give the authority to correct me. Like, you know what, Jamel? You could have... Did this like this, man? Or you know what? The way you handled that was kind of like I'm like, oh wow, you know what? Thank you for that correction. Let me go back and reevaluate. I'm doing this, mm-hmm. you know. And then even some of the the studies that I'm doing, the certifications that I have, and even as I'm pursuing my doctorate, it's like it's given me more rooted and grounded information to look at humanity from a different perspective. Definitely not from a judgmental perspective. Mm-hmm. Once again, like I said, we're all broken. Mm-hmm. I got some brokenness, you know, but. All of us are tagged and called to specifically.
1: So, as an evangelist, and then even as a relationship mechanic, your doctor. What would you say is the um, the mission or the vision behind what you that what you see mm-hmm. that you're really doing on this earth? And feel like you know, I know you feel like you're on the journey. But what part of the feel like you are in?
0: in terms of the relationship mechanic? I see myself doing a lot of work with in the entertainment business and with high-end entrepreneurs. Because I, I find, because I know about the entertainment business, I know about the high-end entrepreneurs, but I also know that they struggle as well a lot with relationships and maintaining relationships, healthy relationships. You know, once again, we're always on the grind. I don't got no time for a relationship, but when, when we get in one, it's like, oh, that was this and this happened, this happened. You know, I want to really be able to come in and be that cycle breaker and maybe start seeing healthy, a lot more healthy relationships in the entertainment business. Not saying there is, there are not any, but there, you know, just to see a lot more. mm mm-hmm and with the high entrepreneurs where you start seeing the men with the women or yeah. the women with the men yeah. you know like i'm not saying it has to be like that but i would that's my desire to see that and to dive more into like the mental disorders that come from some of this past trauma that we begin to experience as people mm-hmm. you know even though we may have god in our life or whatever religious or spiritual belief we have outside of that the practicality part of it like you know yeah, we worship, yeah, we meditate, yeah, we fast, yeah, we pray, but what is the practical side of how would, have we addressed this mental trauma we're dealing with, This mental, these mental disorders that have arrived, anxiety, high phobia, you know, diving deep into the psychotherapy of the psychopathy of how we got there, you know, because mm-hmm. it didn't start overnight. Oh. And I don't want to, you know, I, I don't want to just come from a, one angle of spirituality, you know, I believe it starts there. but but also being very practical, where it's like, you know what, wow, I can see that you have a mental disorder. How can I address, how can I speak to that? Mm-hmm. But I'm going to equip myself to be able to speak to that. And I won't even, and I still won't know it all. This is why I have other friends of mine that are specialized in other areas of you know, mental health. And be mm-hmm. like, you know what, I got a person for you. I can point you to my friend. He specializes in, that's not me.
1: When we get to, when you get your doctorate, I would love to have you back on for, like, a part two. Start getting into that DSM-5 and all of the things that, like, really um, spouses have to be aware of. Like, uh, there's so many. I used to work in um, a a clinic for O.C. Or, actually, it was a um, department. So, Emory Behavioral Health um, Health and Psychology. Psychiatry, sorry. And we work with patients with OCD. Mm-hmm. And when we think of OCD, we think of it at like, oh, i just like everything. To but we never realize how much something like OCD really affects relationships. Oh, yeah. From sex, from the way that people manage their relationships, from the thing that they, they spend their time on, from the time that they have to spend on getting out of the house to being on time, like all of those things. Um, and so like the, the mental health piece of it and you get your doctorate and things like that. It would just be amazing to get your perspective in a couple of years. Yeah. Yeah. That's, my,
0: that's one of my, when you say next five years as well, that's my time frame I've given myself, so next five years.
1: Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. So before yeah. we get up out of here, um, I'm thinking I, loved, I, I love to end this thing with a, a word of wisdom. And typically, I like to reach back to someone who hasn't made that transition yet, right? Um, and you've made a lot of life transitions and mm-hmm. a lot of um, moves that allow you to, like, one, heed the calling, but become more of you. So if you would think about, like, who you were before you are now or someone who's along that journey that you could speak to, what would you, who would you reach back to and what would you say to them?
0: Okay, let me make sure I understand your question. Mm-hmm. I'm where, I, I'm who I used to be.
1: Yeah. Or yeah. someone you met along the way.
0: Someone I met along the way. What am I going to tell them?
1: Yeah. What would, how would you reach back?
0: I would tell Jamel back then. Get involved. Because I was thinking about this one. I was like, what? Because I was in this neighborhood recently, and I was watching these young guys, and they were just cutting us, acting crazy. And before I started pointing my finger, I started thinking, I was, there. and I was like, what what, if, what, what did I need that they don't have now? And I said, I needed opportunity. I needed, I needed to get involved with, you know? And so that's what I would tell him. Get involved, because there was not too much to get involved in outside of what we got involved in. The craziness, you know? It wasn't like it was a... There were things that you could get involved in, but they weren't like in your face, like just, here we are, you can get this instead of that, you know? Yeah. And so I would say that, like get involved, and and I, and I and what? And now we're in a day and age where you have access to so much. At the press of a button, you can get involved with something very positive. Now yeah. social media, it's a, it's a plethora of things positive and a plethora of things negative. I would say get involved, choose positive. Just get involved. What does it look like? I don't know. Once you get in. Then let that thing become a part of you. You yeah. know, like join a club or join a, a group of people, cause it's so much. You know, it's it's out there. It's at our disposal. You know, that's that's. I ain't about to get real deep. Get involved.
1: That's it. Get involved. You. You
0: know, even with even even with relationships, get involved. Paint the picture more broad environment. It's not gonna be easy there's gonna be everything in you and around you trying to hold you back from getting him. Cause that's one thing too. When I was in that predicament, I thought about it like, what what happened though? As I was trying to get involved, the battle inside of me was like, no, you can't be that. You can't change. You can't. And then even the voices and the people around me, man, you trying to go there? You trying to be a doctor? You trying to do? You ain't you you. All of that's trying to restrain you. Sometimes you gotta fight to get involved. You gotta fight past your emotions. I don't like how it feel. I'm going to that environment. I'm going to that, that women's outreach. I'm going to that men's gathering. I'm going to that entrepreneur thing. I'm going, because once again, there's something about me. You know, When nobody's looking, sometimes you gotta coach yourself. You gotta look in the mirror with tears in your eyes. I had to do it plenty of times and be like, you know what, there's something about me. There's something about me. It don't look like it, but there's something about me. I got sheep mud on my hands and goat whatever on my hands and I'm in the back with them, And but it's something about me. And somebody's waiting for me to arrive. Somebody's waiting for me to get involved. Samuel said, we're waiting here until he comes. There's somebody right now already waiting. Whoever's listening to this, there's somebody waiting for you to show up. They're waiting for you. They got everything beautiful in front of them, but they don't want that. They want you. They're waiting for you. And we're thinking or we're believing, I got to get it all together first to present it. David didn't have time. Sammy said, where you at? Call him. Somebody right now is saying, where you at? Where she at? Call her. Mm. Call you right out of your mess. Call you right Call you right out of the drug house. Call you right out of the block. Have you right out of fresh out of prison. Call you right out the corporate company. Call you right out of wherever you at. And be like, come tell him, come here. No, that's the one. Hold on a second. I ain't even finished school. You the one. And some of them ain't going to nobody pick you. They just going to pick you the one. Mm-hmm. But when they pick you, it's going to ignite something in you. Man, we could go on.
1: Ooh, listen, I. You... <laughs> I could be here all day. I am I am blessed 100% just by listening to your journey and you sharing everything that's on your, your heart today and not yeah. letting anything stop you from sharing what specifically was on your heart today. Mm-hmm. So thank you for sharing. Um, Thank y'all so much for watching. I know you had a treat, right? Listening and watching. Thank you so much. Yeah. And Jamel, if someone wants to work with you or if they want to um, read your book, how can they stay connected with you? How can they follow your journey? How can they reach out?
0: Man, if you guys want to connect with me, you can go to my Instagram. is Jamel D. Jackson. Facebook, Jamel D. Jackson. Twitter, Jamel D. Jackson. The website, everything is Jamel D. Jackson. And on Instagram, click the link in my bio. Or you can go to the website, JamelDJackson.com. Purchase the book. Get connected with me. Send me a DM. Long as it's, If it's not crazy, I will respond. If it is crazy, I act like I never saw it. Block it and delete it.
1: Hey guys, it's Ariel from the Work and Play podcast. If you're getting any value from this channel, and I mean anything, tutorials to the podcast to the random videos that you see on this, then I just ask that you do one thing. Please subscribe. Subscribe and share this to anyone that you think this resonates with, and drop a comment below so I know what other things. Now, let's get back to the episode. All right, y'all. Well, it's going to be in the link below. Thank y'all so much again for listening, for watching. Thank you again, Jamel. No, thank you for having
0: me. I really appreciate it, man. I it was like, you. I needed this. It was good.
1: Love it. All right, yeah. then. Well, until next week, I'll see you guys later. Peace.
0: Peace.